This segment of Grape Encounters is presented by the incomparable wines of Cardella Winery, a favorite of everyone here at Grape Encounters. Purely delicious, purely amazing. Learn more at cardellawinery.com. On today's edition of Grape Encounters Radio, we will take you where no wine show has ever dared to go before. Here's a little taste of what's to come. So who is your fan base and where does music come in? So we have a fan base all across the country, but we really are placing our wines in different music venues, different places that have live music where we can really create an experience for people. So it's about remembering that band that was on the stage or hearing that nostalgic song and it taking you back to a certain place and then pairing that with our wines. And now from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in the quaint, friendly, and historic town of Atascadero, California, it's time to enjoy an hour of the really good stuff on Grape Encounters Radio. Heck, we may even uncork a bottle or two of wine while we're at it. Here's David Wilson. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow All right, and it is time for your weekly grape encounter. And listen, if you are a longtime listener, you know that probably my single greatest fascination is the connection between wine and music. I've done so many shows where we've talked about this, and we could dive very deep into that subject. But, you know, rather than going back and recounting the past, I want to introduce you to somebody who has really taken the connection between wine and music to a higher level. It is Heather Hudson, and she is the founder of a company called the Revolt Wine Company based out of San Diego, California, but making the wines up in Napa. And rather than setting this up, I'm just going to welcome Heather to the show, and we're going to get really deep into what she's doing. Heather, what a pleasure to have you on Grape Encounters Radio. Welcome. Thank you for having me, David. All right. So I was so delighted when I got some material from your PR company about Revolt Wine Company because you're doing something that is, I mean, it is so up my alley, something that I'm so completely fascinated with. It's the connection between wine and music. Actually, that's only a small part of what you're doing. But let's start from the very beginning. You and your husband are from the Midwest. You're a Nebraska girl, right? I sure am. Yep. Born and raised in Nebraska. And then my husband is from Iowa. And we met in college when he came to Nebraska to study. Okay. So Nebraska and Iowa, not particularly the center of the wine world. Okay, <laughs> Not the wine capital of the world. No. No, not even a little bit. But let's start with your fascination with wine. How does that happen in Nebraska? Well, it really started when I was studying and getting my undergrad at the University of Nebraska. And I had the chance to study in France which was incredible. But before that, really, I didn't have any experience with wine. So when I went to France and I had the opportunity to go to several different vineyards and taste incredible wines, I just fell in love with it. And really the connection behind wine, not just what's in the bottle. So then I came back and finished up my undergrad degree and started doing some marketing at a winery in Nebraska. So when you say a winery in Nebraska, Mm -hmm. that perks up everybody's ears. It's no secret that there is wine being made in all of the 
states in this country, but Nebraska is not way up on the list in terms of winemaking. So let's talk about that winery first and what they were making and what were those wines like? Absolutely. So every state does have wines. They're just a lot different. And most people's minds, first and foremost, go to California varietals, you know, your Cabernet, Chardonnay, things that people have heard of. So the wines in Nebraska, they're good, but they're very different. A lot of them are much sweeter, different varietals like Chamberson, La Crosse, Traminette. So all of these varietals that a lot of people probably haven't heard of. Yeah, exactly. Although, you you know, we did a show not too long ago. There's a whole program where they're trying to develop uh, wines, and we're talking about mainstream wines, uh, mm-hmm. the ones that we're most familiar with, that will grow in cold climates. And I don't know how far that's gotten along in states like Nebraska, but I know it's common, folks. You know, you're eventually going to have a Cabernet Sauvignon from Nebraska. It'll be a hybrid, actually. But anyway, so you're in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You get a rare opportunity to work at a winery. You go to France. You become infatuated with wine there in a bigger sense. But now, you know, and I and I got to give people just a little bit of a sneak preview. You've created this company that has made this connection between wine and music. Just, you know, connect some of the dots for me. How do you get from this tasting room in Nebraska to being in San Diego, California, making wines up in Napa? You know, it's <laughs> I'm confused. Well, it's been a crazy ride, probably the best adventure ever. But, you know, there are lots of dots to connect. So after I worked at a winery in Nebraska, um, my husband had finished up his undergrad degree. And both being from the Midwest, we'd always wanted to move. It's a great place to be from. We love to go back and visit. Excellent place. But we really wanted to get out and explore. So having that passion for wine, we kind of just looked at the map and said, hey, where would we want to live? And first and foremost, wine country popped right up into our minds. You know, if I'm serious about wine and really want to pursue this, why not just move straight to wine country? And it was pretty crazy for us because we really had, we had no friends in the area, no family. We'd never even been up there before, to be honest. But we decided on Santa Rosa, California, which is up a little north of San Francisco. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great place. And then there, I pursued a second degree in wine business from Sonoma State. Ah. And even before I left Nebraska, I should back up for a second, I got hired out by a winery called Fontanella Family Winery in Napa, which was probably one of the best things that could have happened because they hired me out from Nebraska, and that's a big chance to take on someone. So I was working at that winery in Napa and then also getting my degree at Sonoma State when I was living up there. So first and foremost, when you came out to California, Mm -hmm. was what you discovered there consistent with what you expected wine country to be? Was it the same? Was it different? Was it better? Was it worse? It was better. And for any wine lover, whether you've been there or not, I was just so fascinated that everything revolves around wine. So, yeah. I mean, even when it comes to the street signs are named after wines, the decor is winery related, grapes everywhere. And it was actually more rural than I thought it would be. So it really was just a wine lover's paradise. Exactly. We're talking to Heather Hudson. She is the founder of Revolt Wine Company based in San Diego. And it's really a fascinating story. And we'd love to talk about people who, you know, leave careers and become infatuated with wine and then build a profession around that. But her story is even more interesting because it's got a connection to music and pop culture that I think is just absolutely fascinating. So, Heather, you go up to Santa Rosa, but you eventually end up in San Diego. How'd 
event happen. That's not wine. Well, you know, it's funny because San Diego is wine country, though. You've got a pretty formidable wine country on both sides of San Diego, up in the Temecula region and then down in the Baja region. They're doing great things with wine. You know, why ultimately did you wind up there? You know, for a couple different reasons. Probably first and foremost, because my husband and I were on this crazy adventure and wild ride. And really, we just vacationed down in San Diego a couple times and loved it. Being from the Midwest and not being around the ocean, we just really fell in love with San Diego. And it was right about the time that we had launched the business. So just a couple short months after, we decided, you know, we have the business in place. We have our operations set in Napa. Why not just continue to be crazy and let's just move on down to San Diego and get the best of both worlds? So you were living up in Santa Rosa. Of course, you were working on your degree up there in wine business. Okay. So your stay in Santa Rosa was short-lived. It was just a couple years, long enough to really develop my skills and and discover that I wanted to start my own brand. Because really, when I moved out from Nebraska, that wasn't the goal. I really didn't know what I wanted to do or how I fit into the wine industry. And it really just came into place when I was there. So really quickly, you're studying up in Santa Rosa. Mm-hmm. At what point did you catch the bug and <laughs> decide that, you know what, I've got to be in this in a much bigger way? Because it's one thing to work in the business, which is apparently what you were studying to do, but to dive in and become a winemaker and start a wine business, that's a completely different story. Absolutely. And I guess I'll say I've always been an entrepreneur in spirit, and I love the history and the tradition behind wine, but there's so much room for change and growth, and I guess I didn't want to follow the rules. You know, there are so many ways that wine is traditionally sold and marketed and I just wanted to create my own story. Uh, Working for other people was great, but I wanted to do something much different. Uh, We've got a rebel on our hands. (laughs) A little bit. Hence Revolt Wine Company. Anyway, we're talking to Heather Hudson. She and her husband founded Revolt Wine Company. They're doing some awesome things. We're going to get into specifically what they're doing when we return. So give a listen to our sponsors because there would be no Grape Encounters Radio if it weren't for our sponsors. And we'll return with Heather in just a moment, so stay with us. Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue right after this. And while you're listening to these important messages, we are going to sip into something more comfortable. like to talk about wine. This segment of Grape Encounters is brought to you by SOMCON 2016, the ultimate educational and informational event for wine professionals and serious enthusiasts, taking place November 16th through the 19th in San Diego, California. Get more information at SOMCONUSA.com. It's in the wine we drink Dirty dishes in the kitchen sink the lights go out till the sun comes up Welcome back to America's number one wine radio show, Grape Encounters with David Wilson. Back with Grape Encounters Radio, and what an interesting story we have to share with you today. It is the story 
of a young couple that found their way from the Midwest to California wine country, eventually actually settled down in San Diego, but are making wines up in Napa. But this whole story has a big twist. They have made a connection that we've talked about many times on Grape Encounters, which is the connection between wine and music. Let's take it a little bit further. Wine and pop culture. The name of the company is Revolt Wine Company. And I'll tell you what, Heather, there certainly is a revolt kind of attitude that is pervasive in this country right now. <laughs> you know, absolutely not necessarily in a good way. I, you know, I guess some people would argue with me about that, but there are a lot of people who are not willing to settle these days. And it seems like you weren't willing to settle with just taking a job in the wine industry. You decided to redefine it. Tell me how you got to the point where you, you know, created the Revolt brand and what's operating behind the scenes? Absolutely. Well, it really started once I decided that I wanted to create my own brand. I created a first label called WTF Wine That's Fun. And I... Oh, hold it, hold it. You're not getting off that easy. (laughs) WTF means something to other people that is different than wine that's fun. We'll say it's open to interpretation. Let's say it's a double entendre. (laughs) It's pushing the envelope and that's really what I wanted to do and in my experience in Napa it just seemed it's excellent I mean I love Napa I love Sonoma love wine but sometimes it gets a little stuffy it gets a little boring you think so (laughs) so in creating that brand and that label I wanted to just throw the stereotypes out the window did anybody take offense to WTF (laughs) you know not many and if they did they really weren't the people I was trying to connect with anyway so I just went full force ahead with it you know what that's one of the things that I think is so important about creating a business and just basically getting through life to begin with is if you spend all your time being politically correct, you're never going to get anywhere. And it's a big world out there. And there's always going to be a pretty healthy number of people out there that are going to find that your message resonates with them. So, you know, I really applaud you for that. I think it's, you know, it's at the core of what Grape Encounters is. You know, we really revolt against the pretentious wine drinker, and we really don't care about what's being taught in classes for people who want to become sommeliers or whatever. You know, we talk about what we talk about because it's what we want to talk about, right? Absolutely. And it's about really just finding what you like when it comes to wine, whether or not you can talk about it and pick out a certain smell or taste. It really doesn't matter. It's about finding what you like, sharing it and creating stories. So that's what our first brand Well, and even the second brand, Revolt Wine Company, really what it's founded on. So Uh, why did you disintegrate WTF and make it Revolt? You know, because it kind of seems like they both have similar messages. Absolutely. Well, in doing all of our marketing efforts with WTF, and that was our first brand. So I had the chance to explore everything. We did so many different activities and marketing events. But really, once we did our first event with music... It really resonated both with myself, because that's a huge passion of mine, and with our fans and our wine club members, and I hadn't really thought of it before. So when I saw that success, I thought to myself, why have I not put these two together before? And the label on WTF doesn't really show that connection. So if you see the bottle, while it did look awesome, you just didn't see that connection to music. So I thought to really grow our brand into what I want it to become, this was a perfect opportunity to create a new label and a new look that really highlights that connection. 
connection. So how long did you have WTF? And you said you had a wine club. How mm-hmm. big was the wine club? You know, we had about 100 members okay. um, all across the country. And we were in business for about three years before we decided just this year to transition over to Revolt Wine Company. We're talking to Heather Hudson. She created Revolt Wine Company. And I I did want to just clarify, uh, what role does your husband have in the company? Is he an active participant or, uh, you know, how does that work exactly? Absolutely. He is very active. Um, I do more of the marketing and the design. So creating the logos, promotional materials, labels, designing the website, And of course, marketing. And he is active with me when we go to events, promotion, wine sales. So he's a psychologist though, right? Yes, he is. Well, not a psychologist. He has a degree in psychology. I see. Okay. And how does that come into play with the brand? Because, you know, there's a, it would seem a huge psychological aspect to what you're doing. Absolutely. He is very good at reading people and behaviors. And so that really pairs hand in hand with wine sales and marketing and really deciding what our our customers and our fan base are looking for and how they're going to respond to what we're throwing out there. So you wouldn't maybe think that it would be a great fit, but it's actually been been awesome, a great oh, combo. Okay, so who is your fan base and how do you connect with them and where does music come in? So we have a fan base all across the country, as I said, with our wine club members, but we really are placing our wines in different music venues. So different places that have live music where we can really create an experience for people. So it's not just about sitting down, having a glass of wine. It's about remembering that band that was on the stage or hearing that nostalgic song and it taking you back to a certain place and then pairing that with our wine. So to create an experience for people. Okay. So which comes first, the music or the wine? In other words, do you have a certain genre of music that is important to you? And in creating the wines, do you try to create wines that pair up with that music or is it the other way around? You know, they kind of go hand in hand, but we really created our wines so that they are smooth enough to fit any occasion. So you don't need a big meal. You don't have to have anything before the wine or after. So you can sit and have it at a concert. We do have a certain genre. We target a little bit more the alternative and the rock genre of music. Yeah. You know what's what's really funny is that is a fundamental principle of Grape Encounters is that we try to shy away from wines that are food-driven because so many people in this country don't really care about the meal. And I, I, I make the joke uh, pretty often that a wine is a food wine, meaning that it's the whole meal that we sit down and, you know, we're not so worried about pairing the wine with the food. And in fact, I am a little bit put off by tasting rooms that will pour you wine and say, you know, this wine's going to be a lot better when you pair it with this or that or the other thing, because I want the wine to taste good right there on the spot without any other influences, you know? Absolutely. And really, life gets so crazy, and I'm sure other people can relate, that I don't often sit down to a gourmet meal every night, and I don't want to have one wine before dinner, one wine with dinner, maybe a different one after. You know, I'm going to pop open a bottle, and I want that to really be able to go with me wherever I'm going that night. All right. You got it. Hey, uh, Heather, we're going to take another quick break here. And then we'll wrap things up in the next segment, talking to Heather Hudson, founder of Revolt Wine Company, based in San Diego, making wines from beautiful grapes up in Napa. And we'll talk about those wines and even talk about where you might find them when we return with Grape Encounters. 
don't forget to join our Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group page, where incredibly fun people just like you share ideas and frequently get together to share a bottle as well. Wine does not simply stimulate intriguing conversations. It is often the subject of those conversations. Here is David Wilson. Fine, 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 fine Back with Grape Encounters Radio, gotta tell you, I have a soft spot in my heart for people who have ideas and take those ideas uh, to the next step, which means making those ideas a reality, no matter how far-fetched the idea might be. And Heather Hudson is a great example of somebody who saw a vacancy in the wine community and sought to, you know, really fill that void with something called Revolt Wine. Wine Company, which is bringing together things that we really love, wine and music. So, Heather, when we left off, we were talking about how you got to the place you are now, but we really haven't gotten into the music connection very much, and I want to get there now. You talked about, you know, the genre of music that you're attracted to, and obviously you've got to focus on what you love. So how did you connect the music industry with your wine business? I mean, that's not the easiest thing to do. You know, it's not. But really, music and wine together, they both have the same element of being able to transcend through that product, through music and through wine, back to a different place where, you know, you remember who you were with, what you were doing, that feeling that you had. So they have that nostalgic piece. So that really is what I'm trying to highlight between our connection with music and wine. So for me, it's huge to be able to share my story and help inspire other people to create their own. So the really cool thing that we're doing is every quarter when I send out a wine club shipment, I partner with a different artist and I do an interview and I share their story of struggle and success because often you hear someone's success story, but you forget the work that it took to get there. So I really want to share that with people. And then I also have that artist write a handwritten inspirational message that I send in our wine club boxes. So there's nothing better in my opinion than getting a great bottle of wine in the mail. You get an inspirational note from one of your favorite bands. It just gets your wheels turning. It makes you reevaluate evaluate what you're doing and hopefully go after your passion. So these are some pretty serious bands that you're working with. Yeah. To name a few, Lesson Jake. We've worked with Yellow Card, Pepper. We've also worked with Atlas Genius, Cartel, The Bill Canvas. I mean, I could go on and on, but just a few. So these are artists that all have pretty big fan bases. Absolutely. So how are you able to, or are you able to leverage their fan base to promote wine sales? Definitely. So we work together to have our wine served at one of their local shows if they're coming through the area. And then typically we will hook them up with wine and they love it so much that they'll post it out to their fan base. So that gets their mind focused to wine because often when you're at a concert, wine might not be your first choice. It's not that you wouldn't drink it, but really people aren't offering it to you. Well, also what they do offer to you in those kinds of venues (laughs) isn't typically the most delicious stuff. (laughs) You're right. It's mass produced. It's, you know. All right. I want to talk about Revolt for a second because when I looked at your label, Mm -hmm. it struck 
me in a very personal way. And I think to some degree it was influenced by what's going on in the country right now. We've got a very, very hostile political environment right now. So when I hear the word revolt, it, you know, initially strikes me as being something negative. But then I look at your label and it's a bunch of hands up in the air and it's not a revolt at all. It's like that classic scene where you're looking out across the audience and you see people's hands in the air because they're so excited and moved by what they're hearing or what they're seeing. It's a peaceful revolt. And, Absolutely. You know, it's a very positive. I'm sure you can a, relate being at a show, but yeah. I put that on the label because when you go to a concert, I'll always take a minute to look out at the crowd and to see that trance and that power that right. artists have in what they've created over their fans and they're all coming together for that same reason is just incredible. And that's what I wanted to share. It is revolting against your hardships and anything holding you back, but it's also bringing people together on that same side of that. Yeah, if only we could have that kind of positive revolt overtake this country right now. <laughs> so let's talk about the wines. You've got a Chardonnay, yep. you have a Moscato, and you have a Cabernet, which was my favorite of the three, but then I'm a red wine guy. How do you go about formulating these wines? You don't actually grow the grapes yourself. By the way, this is such an important thing to remind listeners of. You can be in the wine business very easily. It's not that hard. In today's day and age, you do not have to plant grapes. You do not have to have a winery. You just have to have a passion for doing it and you got to be a self-starter and go for the gusto. Absolutely. And really, it's funny you say that because when I was in Nebraska, the only examples of wineries I had seen were ones that do everything themselves. So they grow the grapes, they make the wine, and they promote it. But when I went to Napa, I really realized that those are three completely different things. And especially if you're a small business with just a few employees, you can't do everything and be successful at everything. Right. So I choose to source grapes from all over California. And then we have everything sent up to our wine team up in Napa, where our seller and production crew are. And then once it's done, I send about half of it down here to San Diego and then leave the other half up there where I ship out of. Okay. So how did you go about the task of coming up with your Chardonnay? We have at least three very distinct categories of Chardonnay. There's no oak, there's light oak, and there's heavy oak. You know, you're going after a particular audience. How do you tackle that? Well, there's often a stigma with Chardonnay, especially when it comes to the younger generation. They look at a Chardonnay and they're more experienced with the Chardonnays that maybe their parents or grandparents drank, which are typically the heavier oak Chardonnay. So when they see a Chardonnay, it's like, oh no, I'm not touching that. But really, we wanted to create one that doesn't have oak on it, aged in stainless, so it's very crisp and very light. And we get a lot of people that try our Chardonnay and are like, wow, that's a Chardonnay. I had no idea it could taste like that. So your wines are geared for a younger generation. Definitely. And it's not about age. It's really about making the wine approachable enough that, again, you don't need a meal. It doesn't have to fit into a certain box. You can have this wine, you know, whether you're sitting on the patio, whether you're on a concert, a nightcap, whatever you want. I mean, it fits any occasion. Okay. Tell me about the Cabernet because I think you nailed it. I really do. I actually, oh gosh, I don't really want to admit this, but I was doing an all-nighter and I spent the night with that bottle of wine. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much. Let's talk about its pedigree. Can you give me a little information about where the grapes came from and how you approached this wine? Well, in a similar way. You know, there's definitely a wide range of spectrum when it comes to Cabernets. We wanted to put ours kind of middle of the road. So it does get that traditional description of a Cabernet where it's got some nice bright cherry, lightly oaked, some vanilla, a little spice on there, but it's not too heavy. So if you're pulling an all-nighter, you know, you can have a couple glasses and not feel like it's going to put you over the edge. It, it did not put 
me over the edge. It, it simply inspired me. And, and that's know, what it should do. That's I, the goal. I, I can't believe this, but we're almost out of time, Heather. But uh, one more wine, which I think was an interesting wine to add to your mix, is a Moscato. Because as a lot of people know, that's a varietal that has just exploded in recent years. I mean, absolutely exploded, especially with young wine drinkers, because, you know, they're coming off of energy drinks and sweeter fare, non-alcoholic beverages. And Moscato has been a really, really popular product with millennials and others as well. I'm imagining that was one of the reasons why you chose that varietal over others. Let's talk about that. So actually, a couple different reasons. For more of a selfish, personal reason, being from the Midwest, as I said earlier, that has sweet wine, for me, it's a little nostalgic. So a lot of our fan base in the Midwest loves the sweet wine. So to be true to our roots, we wanted to put on something a little bit sweeter. But it's not too sweet. A lot of Moscatos are almost thick and syrupy and very sweet. So we wanted to make ours a little bit lighter. So it does have a little effervescence, little bubbles in there. So it cleanses the palate where you can have a whole glass instead of just a small portion. But again, like you said, you were spot on. A lot of younger wine drinkers, you don't just jump right into a Cabernet. It's too much, a little overpowering. So we wanted to really create a wine that you could start with and then maybe build up to the Chardonnay and then try the Cab. So it's approachable. It's not so scary. You don't have to be overwhelmed by wine or even know what you're tasting or, or how to describe it. All right. Well, Heather, we could talk for hours about this because there's so much substance to what you're doing. And I just applaud this company that you've created. The wines are delicious. The idea and motivation behind the brand is just spot on. And I just think that this is what the wine industry needs in such a big way to put more meaning behind the wine because it's not just a beverage. Wine is very deeply tied into our personalities and there's just more to it. So I thank you for bringing that meaning to the forefront. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure and I love the opportunity to share a brand with you and and all of the listeners. All right. uh, Very quickly, if somebody wants to learn more about Revolt Wine Company, they might want to join your wine club or go to a concert. Where do they find the information? The best place is to hit up our website, which is revoltwines.com. We've got all of our events listed, our wines for sale that we can ship. You can become a wine club member. So that's definitely where you should go. Okay. And great wines and great prices. I can say that. So I'm giving this 12 thumbs up (laughs) and you can't go wrong. I hope people will give your product a try and you can ship to most places, right? Sure can. Okay. Heather Hudson, what a pleasure to have you on. I wish you great success and I look forward to the next time that we can have you on Grape Encounters. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, it is Sarah Schneider, wine editor of Sunset Magazine. Never a dull moment with Sarah, so you can look forward to that right after these messages. Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in the quaint, friendly, and historic town of Atascadero, California. Don't forget to join our Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group page, where incredibly fun people just like you share ideas and frequently get together to share a bottle as well. Every week, David has the good fortune of enjoying wine with some pretty amazing people. But few things can compare to spending some quality time sipping with Sarah. Sarah Schneider, that is, the wine editor of Sunset Magazine. All right, back with Grape Encounters Radio and something, gosh, it's been weeks and weeks and weeks since we have done Stump the Sarah. (laughs) 
It is time for Sippin' with Sarah. Sarah Schneider, the esteemed wine editor of Sunset Magazine, one of the two largest lifestyle magazines in all of America. Wow. Sarah, responsible for millions of you. She is your shepherd in the world of wine. David, you're kind of scaring me here. What's wrong with that? Shepherd. Shepherd's a nice shepherd thing. Shepherd is nice. Shepherd's nice. Why would that but, scare but you? You're just describing a big responsibility. Well, it is your I'm responsibility. I'm trying to have fun, you put it, fun with Sarah, people. Sarah, you put it in print. For, see, I'm on the radio. <laughs> the words just go out and then they disappear into oblivion. Yours are in print, Sarah. Many years from now, archaeologists will pull up old issues of Sunset Magazine. <laughs> 10,000 years exactly. from now in the, and they're in the time go, capsule. Wow, what was this thing called Cabernet Sauvignon? Except they won't pronounce it that way because they have no idea. What it is. Yeah, exactly. Sarah, last week we were talking about wines that are safe and wines that are not safe. Do you we remember were. the conversation? I remember it well. Yeah, if you went to a store to go buy the wine... You know by the varietal that there's a better than good chance that you're going to get a wine that you like. You had some wines that you were concerned about. I did, yeah. And so this week, I brought in a wine that we may have or may not have talked about, okay? But this is a Stump the Sarah. I brought in a wine that to me... Well, I'm not saying anything more. Well, uh, you know on, what? Let's just, let, no, let's just <laughs> jump into the taste, okay? This is not a trick, okay? Okay, good to know. Let's just say you know this, I hate okay? Being it's not a trick. There's no question that when you sip the wine, you'll know what it is. Okay. You won't have an ounce of doubt. Okay. Okay. All right. But I, no, I'm not saying it anymore. That's it. I'm not saying it anymore. Okay. Go ahead and just sip so it. So we okay? stick our noses it, in. What do you no? think? What do you think of the color of this okay. wine? Okay. Well, when you poured it under the table, I might add. I um, know I did. <laughs> you did. And then brought it up. I immediately noticed that it is very, very golden. I don't know the official straw or what the. Uh, what urine the official... sample, I think, is what they say. Uh, okay. Yeah. And to me, an alarm bell goes off in my it's head an alarm. on a. On a white wine, unless it's an older white wine that is doing what it should be color-wise as it goes through the years, which hmm. isn't necessarily a bad thing. All right, here's what I'm going to say about this white wine. It's not been tampered with in any way, shape, or form. Okay. The person who made it definitely goes by the book and has a tremendous knowledge of what it takes to make this wine, and I'm talking about going beyond the grape itself. Okay. Okay, have I totally confused you? Oh, well, you've intrigued me. Are, okay. are you going to add are, are what you... part of the world this person makes wine in? Nah. Come on, that wouldn't be any fun. You know, okay. people are out there right now, huddled around their radio, okay? <laughs> and they're going, come on, Sarah! Come on, Sarah! Okay. Show them, Sarah! Yeah. My nose is going in this glass. Okay, go ahead. Your nose. Alright, I'm honing in. Okay, guesses? You haven't sipped it yet. Haven't sipped it yet, but I think we're in the Chardonnay world. Mm, no doubt about it. Okay. Whoa, I'm getting the full force. You're getting the full force, the meaning full force. What? You keep it in your mouth for a few seconds, the this is a powerful wine. Powerful. And that could be good. That could be bad. Right, right. I can go on. No, I want you to go on. Go okay. ahead. Okay. This wine has plenty of oak on it, and it's very, very buttery. What if I told you that the winemaker is the national sales manager for one of the most prestigious barrel manufacturers in France? <laughs> would that make sense? That might. Yeah. That might. And that would be the truth. Is that true? That would be the truth. Oh, you have to tell me what this is. Just like that? Well. I, I want to know if you like it first. More, I know that you don't, like, you don't like buttery and oaky as much as... Let me just say this. I'm not a huge butter and oak fan myself where Chardonnay is concerned, but I really think this is well done. I would agree with that. It is not a style that I just adore, but I think it is really well made and it is balanced. The oak is not sticking out painfully. It's there. It's There's plenty of oak and the 
color attests to that too. It has that dairy butter quality to it, but it's still bright as a wine. It's in balance, but it's not a style I love. But you respect it. I do respect it. Yeah. See, that's how I felt about this because as I'm sure most listeners know, we have a Grape Encounters wine bar that we created for you so that you could come and enjoy wines with me. And so many times people request buttery Chardonnays. But one of the things that happened with, you know, this overindulgence in oak a while back is a lot of it was really manufactured and fabricated. There were oak extracts going in. There were oak powders going in. There are these sleeves that are full of chopped up pieces of oak and they'd stick them down through the bunghole of the barrel. So lots of different ways to get that oakiness in. I would contend that if you want an oaky Chardonnay, it has to be made this way with a perfectly made barrel with the very finest oak and there are no shortcuts to quality oakiness in a Chardonnay. So if you want that quality, you have to do it this way and it's going to be damned expensive. Yes, I agree with that. It's going to be $1,200 to $1,600 of additional cost for the wine because of that new oak barrel. That's true. Are you going to reveal now? I am. I am. The wine is called Rendario and Ryan Render makes it and Ryan Render is the national sales manager for a major boutique French barrel manufacturing company, one of the very best, one of the very finest. And so this is his Chardonnay, the 2013 Baha Ha. Okay. But here's what's interesting about it. Not only does he play at a very high level where the oak is concerned, the grapes come to us from Mer Soleil. Oh, wow. Now that's a big deal. Where nice buttery Chardonnays are concerned, I don't think there's much better than that. The Wagner family that makes the wines of Camus. They are as good as it gets. And if you are anywhere in America and you go to a quality wine store and you want a great Chardonnay, you need only ask for Camus and you're going to get a great Chardonnay there. Agree? Right. I agree with that. Yeah. And their second label is Mer Soleil. And Mer Soleil at about $40 a bottle is about as good a Chardonnay as you're ever going to drink. If you see Mer Soleil, it's M-E-R-S-O-L-I-E-L. It's really worth buying and it's a really good value for what it is. But anyway, Ryan makes this wine and he's the owner of this company, Rendario. He turned his not Italian name, Render, into an Italian name. <laughs> but anyway, he makes this wine and I think it's a beautifully made wine and great oak and great grapes. It's a discovery for me, I'll and have a, to say. And a guy who yeah. really, really understands wine. So anyway, that's it. Can we give him two thumbs up? You know what? For winemaking, I give it big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay that it's not your style. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not a criticism of the wine. It isn't. But I would say for this style of wine, that this wine is as well made as anything you're ever going to yeah. taste. Yeah. And if you like big oaky wines, then, you know, Google Rendario Vineyards. It's R-E-N-D-A-R-R-I-O Vineyards and look for the Baja. And just to add on that Mer Soleil front, they also do a totally unoaked version of Chardonnay. Right. That's the one in the clay it's, bottle, It's in right? a clay bottle. Yeah. A pottery bottle. And you love that. I love it, but it's from good grapes. And that's the key because just leaving oak off of Chardonnay doesn't make a good wine. All right. So I don't know about you, Sarah, but I'm getting hungry. So <laughs> let's sign off for the day and let's find something to pair this with. Sounds great to me. Okay. We'll be back with Grape Encounters right here on the same station next week. Thank you.